If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, running technique review and your quiz results. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Okay, let's dive in. Something um, a little bit fun today, or at least... Um, would spark my curiosity. Uh, I thought this was a necessary topic. Um, first of all, hopefully you're enjoying the new um, podcast logo. At, at the time of recording, um, it I can see it on Spotify and it seems like Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts hasn't really updated it yet, but this goes out in a couple of weeks. So hopefully it has... Um, changed since then. I do see that on my Apple, um, I guess the podcast store, like the, the iTunes store. So I think it has changed, but I just can't see the new one on my phone. Um, thanks to everyone who submitted their thoughts, those who are patrons, those who are in the Facebook groups. Um, they, I just put out there a couple of different options, a couple of different examples. And yeah, I think the, the artwork that we chose was overwhelmingly in favor of this one. I thought I would change the, the, I was a bit scared to change the logo or the artwork actually, because, um, it's been doing so well. I do like the, um, I do like the logo. I do like the running man over the book. And I know that when I reach out to people to talk about the, like how they found the podcast, they say that, oh, it just jumped out at me when I was browsing through running podcasts. And so I didn't want that to change. I, I do like how this podcast does achieve like organic growth. It is ranking quite highly in um, the stores, like in the podcast directories. And like once it features quite high, the next thing is to catch your eye and sort of um, spark your curiosity. And so didn't want that whole system to change because it's been um, working so well. However, um, I do want it to be a little bit more relatable. I do like listening to podcasts when I know who the host, what the host looks like. <laughs> and so um, I did get some feedback when I did like a video on Instagram or something and someone commented, oh, it's good to see your face and what you look like. And then I thought maybe I should change my artwork so that 
yeah, there is my face on there. And um, I was happy with the overall outcome. Hopefully it still catches people's eye, still has the, the logo on there, but it's just a little bit smaller. But yeah, hopefully it works well. I'll see. I can always um, test it out and revert back to the old logo if needed. But yeah, hopefully you're enjoying that one. Uh, okay, so I had a couple of ideas for today's episode to kind of combine it into one. The um, I did like last year, more than 12 months ago, I reckon, um, I did a Run Smarter quiz where people submitted their responses and I sort of combined an episode of what the responses were once there was about 150 or so responses. And currently, as we speak, there are 431 runners who have uh, gone through this quiz, submitted their answers. And so I have some nice data to fall back on to how runners are thinking or what what they are answering with certain questions. Um, But also, once I reviewed this quiz, I think my... Um, my ideas around these certain topics have changed. And you might have seen on social media um, over the last couple of months, not only did I um, do that quiz, but I now also have an advice quiz where it's available on the Run Smarter app now where um, people submit or answers to questions. And based on their answers, they receive like kind of tailored, semi-tailored advice around their strength training, around their running routines and any advice that I have for them based on their responses to help them train smarter and maybe find the right balance in their training. And so I have those results as well that I want to discuss. But nonetheless, um, I want to start with the Run Smarter quiz and particularly around two um two questions that specifically tailor to running technique or your running form. And the question that's on the quiz is, is there an increased risk of injury if you have knocked knees? And that's just a, um, it's like knocked knees is like a running technique or a biomechanics where your knees are kind of brushing together. If you look at the runner from behind, you can kind of see the knees are touching. They kind of, I don't want to say collapse in, but they sort of, um, yeah, when it comes in relation to your hips, they're definitely more narrow or more closer together, your knees compared to your hips. And so uh, if you can visualize that. And so in this quiz, 47.4%, so 203 runners said that that's true. They said that if you have knocked knees, if you run with that sort of biomechanics, it will increase your risk of injury. And it got me thinking that... um, Originally, I think over the last year or so, my ideas around this have changed. And so I sort of just wanted to kind of open this up for discussion just in my own head um, because initially when I did my training and um, if I can revert back to my my training about five years ago with the running clinic in New Zealand with J.F. Escoulier, who's been on the podcast, their, um, their take on things or the evidence that was emerging at that time was that no matter what your running technique is, no matter what your body biomechanics are, no matter what your range of movement, um, the body will adapt. The body will adapt to that specific style of running. And that's, um, that's why we see no matter what type of biomechanics you have, everyone gets injured at the same rate because it depends on your, 
Um, depends on your training load. It depends on your training errors and doing too much too soon, which would reflect a, an overload in your body. And in that course, they showed a whole bunch of people, um, elite marathoners who have horrendous pronation or horrendous kind of hip drops or collapsing knees and showed that they're performing at the elite level. They're the best in the world and they don't break down because the body has adapted to that pronation. The body has adapted to that hip drop. The body has adapted to um, certain knee positions and it's just the body does what it does as long as the training itself is adequate and the training itself allows for adaptation then adaptation will occur um, and we do have a lot of evidence set, uh, around foot position and around foot mechanics to show that no matter if you are a supinator neutral foot pronated foot everyone gets injured at the same rate so um, in other words no matter what your running style the training errors um, need to be present in order for there to be an injury um, so this this gets me thinking and the um, one of the analogies that or not really analogy but an example I heard from uh, a running expert is okay well what type of injury will happen based on your running style and because everyone has so many different running styles so many ha people have different step widths different cadences um, different, initial contacts with their feet um, who's to show who's to have a training error and then get a knee issue compared to someone who has a training error and gets an Achilles issue um, I think this is where it comes down to certain biomechanics and certain running styles um, an example someone who has like a narrow step width so someone who's really running almost like a tandem walk almost running on a straight line has a doesn't widen their step width, um, they're most likely to get something like a um, tib post tendon, like a tendon that's on the inside of the foot that allows, that controls the pronation and controls the stability of the foot when you contact the ground. And that's only because when you take, when you do run with a narrow step width, that's the tendon that is um, under a lot of strain. And now that strain if you um, operate your training schedule within good parameters, that tendon itself will get stronger and it will adapt to that load. However, if you do have a training error, if you do go from running 20Ks a week to running 30Ks a week too drastically, if you were to get injured, it's probably going to be that tip post tendon because when that training error occurs, that's the tendon that's gonna be more susceptible to that overload. And if we compare that to, say, someone who runs with, uh, let's say, a heel strike and is really overreaching, so their initial contact is really far forward um, and they contact with that heel, this person, as soon as they have a training error, is more likely to develop, say, uh, knee pain because we know with an overreaching running technique, the... Um, the loads that are accumulated on the knee are significantly higher. And so the training error needs to be present, but the running style will start to sort of reflect the uh, likelihood of a certain injury surfacing. And so that was my initial teachings. That's what I originally learned. Um, 
training with the running clinic. But now, like after talking to Chris Brammer on the podcast and he has some emerging evidence around running technique and likelihood of injury, sort of, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, he has this paper come out and it says that injured runners, demonst- injured runners demonstrate a greater pelvic drop or contralateral pelvic drop. So if you contact the ground with your right leg, the left side, your left hip drops closer to the ground. So that's what we call a contralateral hip drop. Um, so runners demonstrated a greater hip drop and a greater forward trunk lean at mid stance. They also demonstrated a more extended knee and a more dorsal. You aren't a template, so your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. Flexed ankle at initial contact. So at initial contact, when that foot very first makes contact with the ground, it's a little bit more forward, um, a little bit more ahead of your center of gravity, and your toes are pointed up more towards the ceiling. But then after you contact the ground and the foot moves more underneath your body, in that moment in time, if there's more uh, trunk lean, so if your body is moving, uh, if your trunk is flexed a little bit more, and in that also position, if the um, pelvic drop is more excessive, then you're more likely to be an injured runner because they they analyzed a whole bunch of, I think it was 70 or so, 70 runners on a treadmill some were injured, some were not injured, and then they found that the injured runners displayed these characteristics. So in that paper, they said, importantly, every one degree of an increase in pelvic drop, there was an 80% increase in the odds that that runner would be classified as injured. Now, let's be careful with how we interpret these findings because these runners are already injured. It's not that they've looked at a whole bunch of healthy runners looked at their biomechanics and uh, saw some suboptimal qualities of running and then they go on to increase their likelihood of injury. No, these are runners who are already injured. They display these running qualities. Um, They did make sure in that study to make sure they're running pain-free so they're not um, limping or they're not um, managing like their their current injury can withstand like certain levels of running, let's say um, the first 15 minutes pain-free before um, their symptoms start to arise. So they're not painful in the moment, but they are injured. And so there might be some weakness there. There might be some apprehension, um, hypersensitivity, hypervigilance around that injury. So they might be running slightly differently. So it's important that we interpret this accurately, but gets really gets you thinking that... Um, that there may be some biomechanics 
that may increase your risk of injury. So going back to that question, is there an increased risk of injury if you have knocked knees? Um, there might be some research, there might be some emerging evidence that might um, change my thoughts on this. And so that's why it's important that we talk about this. So I have um, some final thoughts around this topic, which I'm slowly starting to change my opinions. Um, so if you display some suboptimal running qualities, let's say for an example, it's a, a, a low cadence or you are overreaching, like I was explaining before. If you do display these suboptimal running qualities, you have a more narrow training, uh, I guess it's a training error safe zone, that adaptation zone you might, it might be referred to as. Um, therefore, a small spike in training load will change your, um, your recovery or it might change your, um, your ability to adapt to that load. Let's say, uh, I'll probably use an example. So let's say there's two runners running side by side. Uh, runner A has a, a nice cadence of 175, um, contacts with the heel underneath the body, um, really nice mechanics, really smooth, um, a, a nice step width, just, just running at really nice mechanics. Runner B next to that, that runner runs with a lower cadence, overstrides a little bit more. Maybe there's a little bit more um, knee flexion at mid stance. Um, just looking a little bit more sloppy, just looking a little bit less efficient. So these two runners are running side by side and they run side by side the entire week. Um, if they were to all both work within their adaptation zone, uh, they work nice and safely, they don't increase at all, they, they don't get injured. If they sort of increase their running mileage by 15%, let's say they're training for a marathon, if they train around 15%, runner A is less likely to get injured and adapt to that training load. Runner B is more likely to suscept um, certain body parts to overload. It might just tick them over the, the adaptation zone state and into sort of an injury zone. Um, because they have that suboptimal, that suboptimal quality. So runner A might get away with it. Runner B might not get away with it. And runner B might be more safe if they were to increase their running mileage by 10% per week rather than 15. If they increase their running mileage by say 20%, uh, probably runner A might get injured. There might be like a 50% chance of runner A getting injured. There might be a 90% chance of runner B getting injured because those suboptimal qualities are there. But keep in mind that overtraining and training errors need to be present. Um, same with under recovery. Um, so if runner A, runner B keep their mileage exactly the same and they both experience um, increased stress and poor qualities of sleep during that week, runner B is more likely to get injured because they have that narrower safety net, that narrower safety zone, um, because they have those suboptimal qualities compared to runner A. Does that make sense? I, I hope that does. Um, I did also have, it was the episode on um, specificity, uh, training specificity or training load. Anyway, um, I had that analogy around a tightrope walker. And so if you imagine someone uh, walking on a tightrope, they've got that really long beam to help them keep balanced. 
um, and they're walking on a on a line across like a chasm. If we can, if this analogy is kind of like your training, your resiliency represents the rope that you're walking on. So your resiliency could be a, a thin rope or it could be a little bit wider. It could be a, a big rope or it could be more like a plank. Um, obviously, if it's a plank compared to a rope, you are a bit more resilient. The wind in this scenario is more of your training. So higher winds, higher gusts are like errors in training or like spikes in your training. So if you have a big gust that comes through, if your beam is, if you're, what you're walking on is more broad, you're less likely to, to wobble. And if you fall off, that can represent like an injury. And so if you, if you display good um, cadence, if you display good mechanics, if you're still, um, if those qualities are optimal, then your beam, what you're walking on is slightly wider. So you're less likely to, you're unshakable in that stage. You're less, you're more resilient. You're more likely to withstand any blows that come your way. If you're walking on a plank and a huge gust comes past, you're going to fall off no matter what. So that's where that huge training error can just bring you unstuck. Um, so keep that in mind. I hope that analogy also helps serve you. Um, so the take-home message, um, overtraining or under-recovering still need to be present for an injury to occur, but maybe the evidence is emerging as certain mechanics might narrow that width, might narrow that um, safety zone, might narrow that adaptation zone, and might narrow that beam that you're walking on when you're that tightrope walker going across that chasm. That That's my current view on uh, where running mechanics comes in, where running technique comes in, and where training load kind of gels in with that. Okay, moving on to the second question that I wanted to kind of ponder on uh, in this quiz. Uh, let me scroll down to see if I can find it. Number two, strengthening will help correct my running form. And examples like a hip drop or a collapsing foot. Um, this is what uh, the question proposes in the, this quiz. 82.7% of runners, so 354 runners, say that this is true. They say that strengthening will help correct their running form. Makes sense. Um, but is it really true? Um, I have a scenario. So let's just say um, we take a runner in, they come to my clinic, we do a running assessment. Uh, we see that they have quite a low cadence. Um, let's say their cadence is around 155. They do display a bit of a hip drop. They do display a little bit of uh, ankle pronation. They've got a very quite a narrow step width. They they've got like a increased knee bend at mid stance, like almost everything wrong going on. We start implementing some strength work. We say to them, "Okay, these are your running mechanics. I think they can be improved a little bit because it's overloading certain parts of your body. We could probably become a little bit more efficient. Let's give you a strength program." What we're going to do is give you some foot and ankle balance exercises. We're going to give you some foot and ankle strength exercises. You're going to do some hip hikes or like hip hitches. You're going to do squats. You're going to do deadlifts. You're going to do a standing um, hip abduction, say with like a TheraBand. We're going to give you some intrinsic foot exercises. Um, you're going to progress these exercises as needed every two weeks. 
um, eight to 10 weeks later or 10 to 12 weeks later, we're going to review your running. We're going to put you back on the treadmill, see how you're going. In most cases, like what the evidence would show and what I've seen in my um, experience is that you'd put that runner back on that treadmill and they would run exactly the same. Uh, but they would feel a lot better if they're coming in with an injury or they're coming in with, um, yeah, just like little niggles here and there, they would feel a lot better once they're back on the treadmill. Not a lot has changed with their running, but um, yeah, that their injury has improved. So what's exactly happening here? Uh, people, people will run the same. They have the same rhythm. They've inbuilt the same motor patterns for years. Like, especially if you, it's an experienced runner, years and years of repetition over and over and over again, those neurons are firing in a certain muscle pattern. What, um, what fire together or wire together is what we say with neuroplasticity and like learning about the coordination of the body. The more times it just is rehearsed, that same technique is the more time it just gets drilled into you. Um, sometimes runners really struggle to change their technique. Others, they can be a little bit more um, flexible and can adapt to that. But without any other cues, if you tell them, here's your strength training, go away. Um, you should get really strong hips so they won't drop as much. Get really strong knees so they won't bend as much. You'll get really strong ankles and feet so they won't pronate as much. They'll run exactly the same. Um, and so why do they feel better? They feel better because they're running the same, but the, the tissue capacity has changed. And so they're able to tolerate more loads. They're able to tolerate um, higher demands. And if we say it's a knee injury and we get them to do deadlift squats, we get them really strong in their knees, they can still run at that same technique, um, but just tolerate higher loads. And so they'll feel better. They'll be able to increase their running mileage without breaking down. They'll be able to run longer without feeling those symptoms come on. Um, and so why doesn't this change your running technique? I think the running itself, um, it just puts on tremendous loads through the body. Um, and like I said, it doesn't change because we've inbuilt this neural system, this like network of coordination that just doesn't come unstuck um, if you don't do any cueing, which brings me to the next point. How can we change your running technique? Well, we can do that with different cueing, with feedback, with um, increasing your cadence. Like there's these cues that running coaches and health professionals can do to instantly change your running mechanics. You can just tell them to try running more narrow or try running to the beat of um, this metronome. You can tell them, look at, this is you in the mirror or this is you, um, these are the videos of you running. And they say, oh, I didn't realize that I was contacting with my heel so hard on the ground or slapping my foot. Um, they can listen to the treadmill belt when they're running and say, I didn't realize I was contacting the ground so so heavy. I feel so loud. I feel so sloppy. And you say to them, well, how about you try and run quieter this time? All of a sudden, their running technique will change. Um, like I said, some people struggle a little bit more than others because you have that um, coordination kind of inbuilt into your system. Some people change it quite easily, but strength training won't change your mechanics. Cues definitely will. Um, whether you do need to change um, is, I guess, the um, the advice from an experienced health professional because a lot of people want this really 
perfect running form, which doesn't exist. It's tailored to the individual. So that's where you need to have a discussion with your health professional or your running coach around your previous risk of injuries. Um, if there are any things that need to change. So if you have a really low cadence or if you have a really overreaching running pattern, they need to be changed. But anything else other than that um, might be open to discussion. You might not need to change it. Maybe you do need to change it, especially if you've got a long history of running injuries to a specific area. Say you've always had injuries to your foot. Um, there might be ways that we can change the mechanics to offload the areas of the feet. But that's another discussion. I've already got episodes on that in the past. Um, so the take-home message, strengthening won't change your running mechanics, at least like that's in my experience and that's what I've seen in the research as well. It might change in the future. Like I said, from question one that we had here, my opinions do change um, as I learn, as I interview more researchers, as I read more research. Um, but that's my current view on things. Uh, so it won't change your running mechanics, but it will change your running capacity. So strengthening is still very, very important. Uh, what does change your running technique is cues, just um, trying to visualize or trying to run differently. That will just change you instantly. Um, the outcome is immediate. Uh, so that's the other topic I want to come up with. I do have the quiz in front of me that I want to quickly go through a couple of answers um, and discuss because those were the ones that intrigued my curiosity. But you guys also did really well with answering a lot of these other questions. And I do like to think that listeners of this podcast, so you listening to this right now, um, is a lot smarter than the average runner. I do like to think that. And I do... Uh, believe that if you hear about this quiz, um, you take this quiz, means you've listened to the podcast, it means you follow my content on social media. So it means that you, your running IQ is far superior to any average runner out there. I'm extremely proud of that. Um, I'm extremely proud that you appreciate the, the power of knowledge. And so these answers, um, I'm very proud because you guys have done so well with answering them. And even just the other day, um, you might have seen on social media, a researcher, oh, uh, Dwayne Scotty, you guys will be familiar, the Healthy Runner um, podcast host. He put out a, he's working with a few researchers, um, a few graduate students who wanted to survey runners around misconceptions or around any gaps in their knowledge. And he asked me to put across my social media platforms any runners to participate in this quiz and I told him, I'm like, you might get a lot of very skewed results because if you're looking for people who uh, misconceptions or misunderstandings or what the general consensus is around runners, I think we're going to skew results because my, my listeners and the runners that listen to this podcast are very smart. Their running IQ is very high. Um, and he said, oh, that's okay. We've already got a few questions in that quiz or in the survey around um, where you spend most time gathering running knowledge. So they still have that to back up on. But um, yeah, I'm extremely proud of you guys for appreciating knowledge. Anyway, this is, this is my, my rant. Um, so your answers like in this quiz, um, question one, what's the most appropriate footwear for a, sh uh, for a runner? What's the most appropriate running shoe to wear? Um, the, the 
76% said shoes that were most comfortable. So absolutely nailed that. I'm really proud of that one. Um, increased levels of pain represent increased levels of damage. 64% of you said false, which is correct. Uh, I'm really happy that you guys uh, recognize that pain it doesn't rep- like the level of pain doesn't represent the level of damage. And we know that from all that, those pain episodes. So it's really, really cool that you guys can answer that. Um, there's an increased risk of injury if you suddenly increase your running mileage. 97% said that's true. Fantastic. It's like one of the foundation um, principles of all running and all injuries. And so you guys have absolutely nailed it. Um, when I'm injured, all pain is bad pain. This is really cool. Like 92% of you, so 392 responses said that that is false and you are correct. So uh, that's really, really cool. Um, which others did I want to look at? Um, there's an increased risk of injury if you increase your cadence from sixty uh, from 160 to 175. You guys said that's false. So 85% of you said that's false. Well done. Oh, this is a brilliant one. There is an increased risk of injury if you have flat feet. 73% of you said that's false. I'm really, really happy that you guys answered that one. Um, because that is like, if you were to ask the general population, what, what, if I was to go to a running club tomorrow and give a talk and there's say a hundred of them, if I was to say, put your hand up, if you think, if you have flat feet, that you're more likely to get injured. I reckon about 50 or 60%, maybe more of those runners will put their hand up. And so, yeah, I'm super proud of you guys. Um, the other one I wanted to talk to you about was this injury advice quiz the ones where you answer these questions and based on your answers, you get this advice around things that you should implement, like recommendations of things that you should implement in your training. Um, so I want to go just quickly through those results now, just so you get a gauge as to um, what the average runner or if we compile the, if we compile the data, what does it look like? Um, the first question was to describe your situation around injuries and a lot of people are thinking, um, oh, like, I'm always injured. I see these runners who never break down, who never get injured. Why me? Is it? And they'll go on to blame their shoes or their running technique and that sort of thing. Um, in this study, um, I, I gave a couple of, um, or in this quiz, I gave a couple of situations. So one, you've had some minor injuries that... Um, You've had some minor injuries throughout the year without major running disruptions. There's one that they're currently struggling with an injury. Another one, they've had multiple injuries per year, which has caused major disruptions. And there's another option that says, I I haven't had an injury in the last 12 months. So 15% of you have answered that you haven't had an injury in the past 12 months um, that hasn't, like, that's... 85% 85% of everyone that that's gone through this quiz has either been injured, currently injured, um, in the past 12 months. So keep in mind the prevalence of injury and keep in mind that if you're really upset around always getting injured, it happens to a lot of runners. This happens to everyone. Um, well, in the last 12 months, this happened to 85% of us. <laughs> I can put my hand up for that one as well. Um, when not injured, how many days per week do you run? That was the next question. 
And um, only 17% said they'd run six to seven days, which is good. Um, We don't want people running like every day. We need a break every now and then. Um, 45% were in that really nice zone of four to five running days. So we're quite good with that. Um, I asked some questions around running the overall running intensity, how many, what percentage of your overall running is a really hard effort and what percentage of your weekly mileage is spent at a low intensity. I think you guys nailed it. Um, looking at the graph here, the, the vast majority is low intensity, 80%, very hard intensity, 10 to 20%, which is a really nice balance. So well done guys. Um, how do you participate? Uh, do you participate in other forms of cardio cross training? So changing up the demands of your body. Uh, 62% of people who filled out this survey said that, that yes, they do participate in some other form of cardio cross training at least once a week. And the other, so 37% said that they don't. Um, so it's, it's nice to see that a lot of people are favoring at least some form of other cross training because we want you to change um, demands on your body. Like if we want to reduce your risk of injury, running related injuries are overuse injuries. So we want to change the use on your body. We want to change the demands of your body every now and then. Uh, talk about running cadence. 45% of you are running with a cadence over 170, which is good. Um, 13% of runners say they don't know what their running cadence is, um, which is quite low. I think like if, again, if I go to that same run club with a hundred people ask them to put their hands up if they know what their running cadence is. I reckon about 40% would put up their hand saying they don't know. So it's good that you guys are um, investing in this knowledge. How often do you participate in strength training uh, for running? So this was great. Oh, could be a little bit better, but um, 66% of runners who participated in this survey said that they do strength training one to twice a week, which is nice. Oh, I suppose, well, 22% said that they do strength training three plus days a week. So that's really nice. Um, 11% of runners said that they don't incorporate strength training, which I think we've, we fall um, the general running population, the recreational runners, it'd probably be close to 50%. Um, okay, uh, what else did I want to talk about? Um, there's a couple of questions around stress and sleep and those sort of things um, uh, around a few things that the um, what the causes of injury are, but I think I'll skip on those. Um, that's really nice. So at least you guys are getting the general gist of what other um, runners are submitting. Uh, if you wanted to participate in that survey, um, if you do want that advice quiz and get your own tailored advice based on your responses, uh, you can go to the Run Smarter app uh, if you don't have it already, there's a more tab down the bottom, bottom right. And if you click on more, it'd say like um, participate in the Run Smarter quiz um, or the advice quiz or something like that. Don't know the exact um, text from memory, but yeah, participate in yourself and it'll give you some good advice all designed by me. <laughs> um, and yeah, so hopefully this has um, generated some new insights around running technique around strength training, around running form. And um, yeah, it's good to know that, like I said, when I look at the results of these quiz, the quiz results, it just makes me so proud that you guys are listening and investing in knowledge and um, 
these results are skewed, but it makes me more proud the more skewed they are <laughs> because um, I do know that you guys strive to train smarter and um, I just see it all day. I see like some feedback from runners reaching out and saying, this is how I'm training smarter and this is how it's affected me. This is the improvements I'm making. These are the injuries I'm overcoming, which is um, makes me like super passionate to, to continue with this podcast moving forward. All right, guys, I'll sign off now. Um, and as I do, remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.